Niobe. Amiobi trying to shake off Chris Lowe. It's a brilliant save from Hamer. Great work from Amiobi. And Ben Hamer came up with the answer. And the black is in there as well. And in base. Oh, and Hamer gets to that one. again. Toffolo will get to it and he pulls it back into a great area and that's a fabulous goal from Fraser Campbell. The local boy who's returned home to try and take his club, his town, back to the top. Fires Huddersfield Town in front here. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Huddersfield Town Social. We're into double figures. Thank you for enduring this for this period of time. Another crazy week in the soap opera that is Huddersfield Town that started with a hell of a lot of apathy. And even on Friday afternoon, there are a lot of people suggesting different ways of spending their Friday evenings, whether it be at the cinema or watching EastEnders, if, if that's your cup of tea. But it ended with Huddersfield Town showing some building blocks on and some great foundations on the football field with a 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest. My name is Greg Maron, joining me as ever are Cameron Pope and Ian Kilroy. And back from his hiking holiday, wherever that may be, is, is, is Thomas Fairbank. Good, uh, good morning, good afternoon, gentlemen, wherever you may be. Well, I don't know about you chaps, but I've had a wonderful weekend. Uh, and the highlight of my Friday is usually watching Gogglebox, okay? And it takes something good to beat that. Uh, not EastEnders for me, not really my thing. Um, but lo and behold, we pulled it off. A slight improvement, slight. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, obviously, massive upturn in, in terms of the result. Um, I think a moment of magic proved the difference. And hats off to Fraser Campbell, because I don't think I could swivel my leg that high in a bouncy castle. So I don't know how he pulled it off. Um, but yeah, an abundance of encouraging signs at the back. I thought we played some flowing football. Topolo was back to his attacking self. Um, that ultimately led to the goal that grabbed us the points. Um, however, there, there are still cracks that we should be careful um, of before painting over after one victory. Um, but I think the, the man we have to start with, I mean, the best game in town colours. And if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first clean sheet in 90 minutes for Ben Hamer. Like, a fantastic save in the first half off Amiobi. Uh, to his right and another to his left. And, you know, candid interview after, he comes up across as a really genuine bloke, so I, I'm I'm really happy for him. Uh, I thought Peeper was enjoying himself coming up the flank. Tyler Blackett probably needed a good rinse down after that game because that nutmeg were filthy. Romney Critchlow, mature, confident. I think, to be honest, on balance, Hamer deserved matter of the match more. I think he had the greatest hand in winning us the game, but he didn't look out of place much at all, despite his youth. Uh, Pritchard. You know, what a time for him to deliver a performance. He's certainly coming for some pelters uh, uh, in, in recent days and weeks. All right, should have put us into the lead in the first half, but more than made amends for it, working tirelessly in midfield for the rest of the game. Even Mbenza, beautiful weighted pass in for Toffolo to set up the assist. Um, and so, OK, there were, few, there were still a few blots in the copybook, but, you know, first three points, first goal of the season. Can't really complain, can we? It has been so bad for so long, right? 
in the past week, for the first time I can ever remember as being a town fan, all podcasts, all reporters, all fans came together as one. And after 18 months of shit, they'd got to a point where the pitchforks were out, the fans were ready to descend on the club. It was There was one voice for one. There was no minority. There was no vocal minority. It was just everybody at the same time furious with what's gone on recently. And then Town went out on Friday night and did what Town do better than any other team. And that's win against all odds. Effie Sodji might have gone years ago, but his presence still remains. He's still here. It was, it was a performance that, okay, it's not the best performance in the world, but just like David Wagner at Sheffield Wednesday in his first game, it might have taken three games, four games to come for us. But it felt a bit like that to me. It just felt, it felt a bit exciting. And, and when Phil got rid of the Cowleys, for whatever reason, and, 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 he, and he explained that through Bromby that Corbyn was coming in to create a new exciting brand of football. At first, we all thought it was a bit of jag and shite. We thought it's cost-cutting. We thought it was, it was just an excuse. And then through the first few games, you see it and it doesn't quite work. And you're like, mm. on Friday, I'm, I'm, I'm all in now. I'm all in on this. That football was exciting. It was an exciting game. Normally, games at 0-0 at half-time have been pretty dreadful. And the commentators are trying to sell it into you to bring you back for the second half. They didn't after this week, this game. We were all, it was just, there were just moments all over the place. It wasn't standard textbook football. You could see there were different things going on. I think we got pretty fortunate with um, Forrest in that, just like when, when we were brought to the Premier League and the first game was against De Boer's Palace, I think it's the right team at the right time for us because I think they're pretty awful. But 30 seconds into the game, Jonathan Hogg set the standard for the rest of it. And now people can argue it might have gone too far and it could have been sent off. But to me, that's what a leader does. Ariata, how many times has he, has he taken the piss out of us? How many times has he, has he put on a show against town? Jonathan Hogg wasn't having it this time. And the only reason he got away with it was because Pritchard was in there. And I'm not entirely sure the referee saw exactly what happened. It wasn't a leg-breaking challenge. He didn't, he didn't try and break his leg. If, if you look, he does go over the ball, but he scrapes his leg down. Now, I'm a bit of a dirty footballer myself, so I, I'm going to admit I've done that a few times. It, that's why his stud marks are all the way down his legs, and it's not an impact straight, straight in that, that causes a break. It, it, it was going in for a yellow card. That's what he was going in for, and he got away with it, and that's all he got. But from that moment on, Town won that midfield battle. That midfield battle was Town's all day long. And when you've got a brand new centre-back starting at the back with no experience, that's exactly what you need. Town just put a performance on from the middle and it radiated out. Karoma, he is a player. He creates moments like Kachunga Dig in our promotion season. He's just there at the right time. He missed a bit of a dirty chance at the end, we know that. But even for Fraser Campbell's goal, who's there sniffing for the rebound? Josh, is Karoma's there again? He's ready just to nip it in if he has to. But yeah, football's a game of moments there. And, and on Friday... Everything that could go our way did. Hoggy wasn't sent off. Critchlow put a great performance in throughout the entire game, but he made one mistake and let Sammy Amiobi turn on his left foot. Ben Amer pulled out the best save he's done in a town shirt and that kept us in it. We could have gone into the game, sorry, we could have gone into half-time at 2-0 down there, but we didn't through a little bit of fortune and we've missed that through the first few games of the season. And when it comes your way, you have to take the chances you get and make sure it's three points and that's what we did. It was just so exciting actually seeing us in a game where we didn't just scrape a win but competed and, and earned it in a tight game and um, it made it a very nice weekend didn't it boys I think I could pretty much echo exactly what you two have just said although I'm maybe not getting quite as carried away as you Ian I think like Greg said it building blocks but we could have quite easily lost that game as well um, 
But the two things you already touched on it, Cam. The main thing I wanted to touch on was Pritchard, because I think it, it's his price tag that does him in for us, and it will continue to do so. And there'll be a lot of fans who can't look past it. But if we accept that he's not going to turn up and play like Messi every week, then as long as he keeps working as hard as that, puts himself about, performances are definitely going to come from him. Because that midfield three, admittedly, I, th- I thought we were better after Hogg had gone off. Um, that midfield three, if we get Iting in as the number six, that can cause teams problems. Once they start to learn each other's games, they've got to hopefully, when Grant goes, if he does, um, hopefully they get a bit more movement ahead of him. But I think, yeah, Pritchard for me, that was one of, if not his best performance in a town shirt. And at times he kind of went unnoticed because he was doing the dirty work as well. And he gave away little horrible gritty fouls constantly. But I don't know about you guys. I like that in a midfielder. I'd rather see that in Pritchard than him trying to do something fancy and it only coming off once every 10 times or whatever. And then the other thing, which at times could be an issue as well that I thought worked really well was how good was it to see the fullbacks bombing on like they did? Uh, that, for me, there's been a lot of people over the weekend sort of saying, yeah, look how good it is that we've got men in the box and stuff like that. But that comes from the fullbacks being there because if the fullbacks don't push on, the wide players can't get into the box. And we saw it the season we got promoted. Kachunga would tuck inside as almost a second striker when it was out on the left and vice versa when he had it out on the right. And with the fullbacks bombing on, it meant that Karoma and it meant that Mbenza could get in the box and back up Campbell. And then you had Pritchard getting in the box as well. I think it was just good to see, wasn't it? I, I'll take that if we can keep doing it. But I still think we need a little bit more going forward because there is, apart from Karoma, there isn't really that much that much movement in behind. And I think that's what we needed. Admittedly, Forrest sit back quite deep and try to hit you on the counter. Um, but yeah, all in all, a win's a win, isn't it? We've got to be happy with that. There's only, I think, there's only one thing in all that that I, that I, that I profoundly disagreed with. I feel like we we absolutely do need more reinforcements going up top. Let's not forget we can't rely on Fraser Campbell to pull that out the bag every single week. Um, but for me, the the main issue I had with Friday because it, it can't be all positive, you know. That we've got to have a bit rougher, this move, and I think discipline was 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 the one that got me and okay it's one thing having a, a player like Pritchard who can put in little niggly fouls here and there Stearman took one for the team at an important moment etc that's just part and parcel of football that's something you need in your game however the challenge from Hogg after 40 seconds I was furious after that I was fuming and I've, I've seen okay I don't know if this is the former referee in me or whatever but I've seen a lot of tongue-in-cheek remarks about um, no one's going to mess with Jonathan Hogg or the general or you know we need a bit of aggression and we do but that's going to be channeled aggression. And if you think back to the second Premier League season, when Steve Mounier was sent off for Michael Oliver against Brighton for quite an innocuous challenge, it, on balance, in the laws of the game, it probably was a red. Um, but it was, it was unlucky because there was no intent there. It was just a foot dangled too high. And he was vilified for it um, at first because, you know, there was some sympathy, but I thought he was vilified because that led to us um, not taking the points. Okay, we were in a good position at the time. Jonathan Hogg there, nine times out of ten, he gets sent off. That was a, I, I, I don't know, I, I viewed it as a horrendous challenge. I know in deciding more with the yellow, I thought it was terrific. I would have sent it off all day long. Um, and then if we go into, what, 89 minutes of the game on 10 men with an experienced centre midfielder out, 
for the next what three games. I think that's I think that's uh, I don't think that's leadership. I think that's naivety. And someone of his age, okay, he should, I know he's got a running battle with Arta, but he, he should put these two aside. So I thought we were really really lucky, and I had to agree. I think we were better after he came off because he was doing his very very best to get sent off. I mean, he went in for another crunching tackle that actually got him a a yellow, didn't he? About ten minutes later. And so how he was still on the field, I really don't know. So that, that wound me up, actually. And linking into that in terms of, of discipline, and this is a different kind of discipline, uh, game management. Game management, because when you wandle up in the final minute, okay, it's, it's, it's a tale as old as time. Get on the ball, lump it down the wrong end of the field, okay? Just get it to the corner and do everything you can, you know, to keep it there. You're going to get your, sh- your, your shins kicked, your calves kicked, but you're going to win the throw, the free kick, the corner kick, whatever, that's going to eat up a nice 20, 30 seconds. Do not cross it into the middle and risk a counter unless you're more or less certain you've got a clear shot on goal. Because that's what we did. Um, I believe it was Critchard looking for Coroma uh, with an under-hit cross. Um, and then that meant we had to ride out you know, possession again in the final minute of the game. And this would have been a very different podcast episode had we not held out for that final minute. So... We, got, we did get lucky at times. Like we said, everything went for us. But on another day, it would only take one or two of those things not to run in our favour. And OK, when, when we're, we're on a hiding to nothing again. Nice to be complaining about this for once, though, rather than the usual tribe that we've had to be complaining about. And I think the big difference between um, Friday and the week before, or two weeks before, is XG. And I, I hate using XG as... Is a I don't I don't know which which Dick have came up with the the algorithm that's worked all this out, but you know you've gone from 0.7 from the first two games to be one of the worst clubs in the, the the football league to being at nearly three, and ultimately that's because, and I do think you know Iting's made a difference there, and I love Jonathan Hogg more than anyone. I just love his style of play, but I don't think it suits four three three. I don't think it's ever suited him when he uh, before David Wagner came in actually, uh, when we had Norwood and, and Clayton back in the day. It, it made a, a massive difference to have somebody who could spray balls. Now I've seen that YouTube video of somebody's trying to say he's bloody Tiago from play Iting playing an easy easy ball, which I think anyone here could have played because he had thirty yards of clear space if Fred Corona through. But you know, would Jonathan Ogg have played that ball? Probably not. To have somebody like that to come in on the ball to be able to pick them passes is amazing compared to what we're used to because you know we're a side that for the last three or four years had a squad that was built to play 4-2-3-1. Corbran, as Ian said, in his first three or four games has managed to get some kind of resemblance of a different formation. It's worked really well. And I think on Saturday, and I re-watched the highlights on Saturday morning to make some notes for this, it was just nice to see that we actually created stuff. And, you know, I think Peeper was really good going forward. You saw with the the, the, the comedy moment where Diakabi and Karoma both should have bagged. Peeper's there assisting Karoma. And, you know, this is deep into the second half. And your right back is one of the fur- furthest forward. In the first half, I, if we had VAR, Jonathan, I'll be sent off, but um, if we had VAR, we'd have had a penalty because I think that people was dragged back. The first challenge that came in on him, I think, from Amiobi, was a uh, not black it. I think it, which one it was for me. That's a penalty. Again, we're talking about a lot of things going our way. That's not going our way. 
Cam said it. We need more players though because right, Ian was bigging up Josh Caroma um, on Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I think was it who scored gave him man of the match. You know, he had the most shots on target. He gets in the right places, but has he got the quality to put them away? That's that's the next big question for him. He's a young lad. He's come from non-league before he came to us. We don't know those questions yet, but I I I would be a bit worried going into the rest of the season relying on a, a young unproven lad to to kind of drive the team forward. So I think we've got. We don't want to get too carried away. I've seen it on Twitter already. We need to kind of put a pin in that performance and say, right, that's the starting point. Clean sheet, tick. First win, tick. First goal, tick. How do we build on that? And I think the only way we can build on that is in nine, ten days, uh, the transfer window's left open. I'm seeing on my calendar. 30 days of September, it might be Monday, but you've got nine or ten days to basically get a load of players into this club and and that's the next big questions for the, the club to answer because on the pitch, Carlos Colbran has answered some of his critics, which I was a bit surprised at. I had a lot of critics because I always say you need to give people time when they're trying to build something. But it's now the playing side because we are lacking in certain areas that are going to be pivotal to where we finish this season. I had a look on the bench on um, the weekend and compared what we had to what Forrest had for game changes. And of course we had Iting who came on and did well. Um, but on the bench for goals, we had one person who'd scored one goal for town, uh, Matty Daly. Um, Nottingham Forest had 68 goals on the bench for, for Forest, And that just shows how thin we are already um, four games into the season. Oh, that's it. That, we, are, we are paper thin. When I was referring before to being all in, I'm all in on the system with Corbin. The squad isn't good enough. And, and, and if we keep it as it is, when injuries hit even more, like we might have lost Johnny Hogg now for, for a bit, never mind suspension, but through injury. Um, and Schindler, we don't know when, when, he, when he's going to be back. But we're already thin as it is. And, and again, we've got seven, nine, eight, nine days, whatever we have to, to, to solve it out. But one goal on the bench is an option when it comes to creating anything. He's also a young lad. Daily what? He's, he would have played 20 games in, in, in senior football. I'm, I'm, that's a guess. But... We've got nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there to change games. Luckily, on the weekend, everything went for us. But um, if we don't bring reinforcements in now, it's not going to be at Christmas we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble in about a week, two weeks. It's, it's, it's paper thin. And having seen the system and having seen it work, it really is a time to get the checkbook out and bring some guys in because it isn't, uh, you're not taking a gamble on something that, that can't work. We now know it can because we've seen it. We thought against Norwich the performance was okay and um, unfortunately, Stearman's back pass was a bit awful and it cost us, cost us a point there. And against Brentford, it started all right, but it ended pretty crap. So we've seen a few games. This is no coincidence. The, the performances are there under this system. It just needs extra players in to give him options. When Corbin joined, some people claimed it would be exactly like Leeds would do. And we spoke of it being a recipe for disaster if that's the case because you've got to adjust to the players that you have when you don't have much money and you've got to make the most of the squad that's already here. We were really worried about that. He changed, changed mid-game. We started off with a 4-2-3-1 I think this week instead of a 4-3-3. That wasn't supposed to happen but it did. Then we changed to a 3 at the back for the last 10, 15, 20 minutes and, and held on for the... Not just held on. We had a break in the last three minutes where Karoma should have popped it in after four men broke forward against the two defenders of Forest. We haven't seen that for three years. But we're seeing it now. 
it, it just needs it needs a little bit more backing. It needs three players that we probably aren't going to get. This is probably us dreaming. But if we can just bring some extra creators in, it really is there. But when you've only got one goal on the bench, if plan A doesn't work, there really isn't a plan B. You're not a bit worried, in that actually... Um... Yeah, I agree we need that. And for once, we actually look like a team that's trying to do the right things. But you're not a bit worried that because of the win on Friday and then um, the club think they've done some communication this week because they released some programme notes from two weeks ago and also did a meeting that I think like John Smith and his dog went to. You're not worried that they're going to use those three and just go, you know what, actually, we're good enough. We've done communication, so... We think the fans are like us now, and we've won a game of football. So why, why does he need any players? Uh, it, it I did think that, that's Tom, the when, kind of when, ridiculous mentality that might happen. When um, we broke forward at the last few minutes, I was half thinking that I'm thinking if we score here and we go two and look, they're going to think this is it. They're going to think we've made it. We don't need to bring anyone else in. It's probably the best goal we'll never score. I, I'm gonna if we go out now and bring in some extra strikers, we have to remember it's because we missed the chance of going two and up against Forest. But I did think that I thought if if, if we do bag this here. Maybe that's it. Maybe we've got enough. Maybe Dyer Carby can come good and be the next 10 goals a season striker. What do we need? Because I, I was making a list and I, 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 had, I had three or four that I desperately needed, which are a, a proper number nine. But you saw at the end of last season how much better we, we played when we had a proper number nine playing up front. You know, that's the reason we beat Birmingham. That's the reason that we looked threatening in, in, in some games is because you either had Steve Mooney or Fraser Campbell causing havoc on the front line, did, doing it in different ways. Um, you probably need at least one winger. Uh, if you accept Mbenzo Dear Carby are now going to be part of the furniture, your only other winger is Josh Coroma. Probably looking at another attacking midfielder for me. You need goals from midfield in this, in this formation. There's not many goals in, in this team. And I think Gaz mentioned it um, last last week on the podcast when he said probably need some cover fullback because um, we've got Brown and Haney behind, but and you know centre back you've got you know you've still got you got Schindler out, but you've you've got uh, Critchlow, Elphick still at the club. If you can't forget about him. You've got uh, Edmonds Green. You've probably got two young lads and, and three senior lads, so you've probably covered off there. But, you know, do you really... If potentially, you've got Lewis O'Brien filling at left-back like he did last season. Bakuna filling at right-back. That leaves your midfield a little bit empty. So do you do then either bring in another midfielder or potentially another fullback? It's not like we haven't got people off the wage bill either. Danny Cowley in his Times interview a couple of months ago mentioned it that um, last January they managed to reduce the wage bill and bring players in like Emile Smith-Rowe and Andy King. They would have been on a fair wedge as well. You know, we've, we've seen the likes of John Stankovic, Kwana, Kachunga all leave the club who would have been on Premier League wages because they all got approved contracts when we got promoted. You've got Steve Mounier leaving. You've got Hannah uh, Chennai's left. All these players on the biggest wages have gone. Grant's probably also going to join them. I mean, that needs to be sorted out in the next 72 hours so we can actually get some bodies in, to be honest. Hopefully it's a fee and not the loan fee that's um, mentioned because that would be criminal, to be quite honest, to have this saga going on for weeks and have somebody coming in going out on loan. But surely there is some room for manoeuvre there and there will be players available yeah, striker, probably that's the one area you're probably reliant on a loan from a, a Premier League club or even a Championship club. But 
there's got to be quality left in, in that transfer market to, to at least bring in two or three options to have off, off our bench to change the game. Because, again, we go 1-0 down on Friday. I don't think we come out, out of that game with the three points. I think, I think you're right, Greg. I think the ideal is three or four. I think when you look at our squad, though, I think, it, I think it'll be two, Matt. On average, you would usually say, right, you need two players for every position. You get an injury, someone can fill in. We've got five first-team centre-mids now. We've got Hogg, Bakuna, O'Brien, Pritchard and Iting. Based on playing a three, you've then got Matty Daly, Osterfield, Scott High's gone out on loan, hasn't he? Um, ben Jackson. So you, yeah, Ben Jackson, that's what I was trying to think of. So you've got seven there. Um for three spots I, I can't see us bringing that in or prioritising it I'd, I'd love somebody else because I think we need a different dynamic in there still but I can't see him bringing in that I think it'll be a wide player and potentially another striker so I think we'll see one or two and that'll be it because um, on the wide players front we've got three at the moment you've got Diakabi and Benzer and Karoma and that's it he's, he's talked about Bakuna possibly in that role at times but for me no. So for me, it's a wide player to get it up to four. And then I, I do think we need another striker because we both Campbell and Ward are going to get injuries through the season. And there's going to be a point where both of them are injured. Yeah, I think if we're lucky, we'll get two. If we're unlucky, it'll just be one to kind of, as a versatile player that can play across the front three. We've left it so late now that, especially with a striker, that's the hottest commodity. Who is going to be left now? And so I think you're right in that we're going to have to hang on for um, for a young lad from the Premier League, etc. Otherwise, you might be signing another Fraser Campbell. And I mean that in, in, in the best, the nicest possible way. Um, you can have one 33-year-old striker on your books who, you know, who's, who's obviously proven, um, he's proven he's got it in his locker. He can still turn up on his day. Uh, he obviously cares a great deal about the club. Um, but you can't have, you don't want a two-pronged attack with that, you know? Do I think he's going to be fit for every single game this season? No. So a young lad might be the only way we go now because I don't want us to go see, and this applies, I think, as well to things like, um, to things like, to things like wide men and, and, and attacking number 10s, etc. We don't want to be bringing in players now. If we're going to only say bring in two players, like you say, we need to make sure these ones are higher fitness. Um, I don't really want to be, say, bringing in, uh, an aging attacker, an aging number 10, say, like if you're looking at, say, down the free agent, someone like Nathan Dyer, who was at Swansea and everything you want, probably someone who's going to be able to churn out a good 35, 40 games a season. And I just, I don't, I don't have the faith that we're going to do that in the eight days that remain. I just think, and I think there's a lot of good points have been made there. And Greg um, made one of them in that if we do go in for a loan on Grant, whenever this may come through, all right, it might have an obligation to buy. I think that is, I think that is paramount of uh, absolute paramount importance. But the fact that we've held on for this and held on for this and held on for this, if we don't get the optimum result, which is selling him uh, by the end of this window, then what's it all been for? What's it all, what's it all been for? Because we've seen, I, I made the, you know, the, the, the key for more um, comparison the other week. Players like that have all been snapped up now and they're already scoring goals. And okay. Yeah, we've, 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 we've done all right this week. We got lucky at times with Rudders look but we need more in the tank and it's going to have to be some astute loan signings now because I just don't think it's out there and especially not for the money that we're going to be spending. Fullbacks are crucial to our system, as Greg mentioned earlier. And we've got Pippa and we've got Toffolo who were directly responsible for most of our chances at the weekend. 
Toffolo um, played a little one-two of Mbenza. I think he cut it back for Fraser Campbell to score. And Pippa, to be honest, is all over the place. Every time we break forward, he's involved. We say he's a right-back. He's a right-back centre midfielder and attacking centre midfielder, right-winger and a striker if he fancies it. He just goes. I absolutely love it. Questionable if he can defend very well, but I don't care. We just need to score goals, don't we? We have to bring in another fullback. I think that is so crucial because if they, one of them are injured, if one of them are out, our entire system would probably fail. I don't think we have anything that can reproduce what they offer us. Um, do you know, Flo could have probably done it. We know he's lightweight and he's not necessarily the greatest. But I think in this system, he'd have had more license to get forward and not have to worry about defending because Pippo doesn't defend or he can't defend. Um, and and if, if Flo had been offered that luxury, I think he'd have been a genuine option at fullback. The fullbacks work so hard in this system, they will break down. There is no way the pair of them will play the game this season. It's just not possible. Already we ran more game, more miles, I think, this this game as a guest than we've done in any other game this season and probably for a long time, even under the Cowleys. Those guys put the yards in and um, if they aren't there, then we'll, we'll be in trouble. I still think we need an attacking midfielder, Tom. I know you say we've got all these centre midfielders, but who creates chances? Even at the weekend, right? Pritchard, yeah, he was busy. He was... Bu- if he was a foot taller, he'd have scored in the first half. It was one of the worst attempts of getting on the end of a cross I think I have ever seen. Like a little gnome trying to nod it in. I don't know what, he couldn't jump. I don't know what went on there, but he doesn't create chances by playing the balls through the centre towards the goal. What he does, he likes to play it out wide to the wingers to cross in. Now, we all get really excited talking about Aaron Moy because of what he offered town. I think I had one moment where he received the ball turned and I think he played it with the outside of his foot out towards and bends it on the outside, like in the box, but, but closer towards the goal. He was making one towards the goal. And that's the kind of thing you need from your ACM. I like Pritchard as a midfielder. I think he does a lot of work on the edge of our own box, actually. He did quite a bit on Friday. Um, I don't think he's the attacking midfielder we signed him as. I don't think we can use him going forward as that because I don't think he creates enough chances. And even if it looks pretty... Attacking midfielders need to create chances or score goals. Cam was mentioned earlier, so was Greg, about Hogg not being good enough. When you talk about the trenches in football, you have centre-backs and you're talking about your midfielders. You can't judge these guys by just looking at them. You judge those guys, if they're centre-backs, by how many goals they've conceded and if you've actually won the game. Because there's a lot done that you cannot see. This talk, this positioning. Johnny Hogg, he organises our midfield. We had Johnny Worthington do it for years. Without him, we were crap. When he played, we were amazing. He didn't ever look very good, but it just changes the entire system into something that works. We all thought Cam has written Stearman off and written him back in more times than anyone. This weekend, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. Everyone's talking about how well Critchlow played. He got man of the match, and he got that because he was a debutant. I don't think he was the best player on the field. What we expected, he played better than that more than anyone else, therefore got man of the match from, from, um, the champ, from Sky, I think it was. But yeah, fair enough. Okay, I, I understand that. But he made a mistake for the Sam Miami Obi-Wan. St- I don't think Steeman made a mistake all game. I think he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. Again, you pick centre-backs and you pick midfielders when you win games. That's my belief anyway. It worked. I don't think Pritchard creates enough as the attacking central midfielder, so I think that's really important that we go out and saw that out now. We've not replaced Moy. We've got to go out and do it. And I still think Butterfield, I still think Butterfield on a free would be an option for a year. I really, really do. And apart from that, we do need another guy up front. And I think it's going to be somebody who plays across the front three because we don't have the money to go out and pay, to pay for what it, what it takes to bring in a proven goal scorer. On the weekend, there were two debutants at centre-back. One cost between £3 million 
or six million, depending on who you speak to. A one was a three pound bus pass, probably from uh, London in in Critchlow up to Huddersfield. Yet he looked like the more professional player. He looked like the more experienced player. McKenna lost Fraser Campbell entirely for the goal. If you have a look back, he's marking him. And by the time Campbell pops in the net, he's 10 yard off him. He's totally lost it. That's probably the difference between Scottish football and English football, as we all know. But that's what Town are up against. We're up against teams going out to spend three, four, five million on centre-backs. And we need to go out and buy a goal scorer. Grant scored 20, nearly 20 last year. And he's supposed to be going 15, 16, 17, 18 million, whatever it's going to be in total. We, we probably won't spend over a million on anyone. So who are we going to go out and bring in proven to score? We're, not, we're going to have to go out and get somebody, again, like, like Karoma or like we've got Willock on loan, somebody who's all the attributes to be good, but maybe don't have the composure or the experience yet. It's going to be another gamble, but we just need bodies in because there's just no, there's, there aren't, we don't even have the options just yet of, of, of players that possibly could be good. They're not even there. So um, I'm looking at a fullback attacking centre midfielder and a, uh, somebody to play across the front three. Well, it's up to the club now. It's um, Carlos Corberan's definitely shown what can be achieved on the field, but you need that to marry up with what happens off the field. And, um, you know, you'd say with people coming in, with IT coming in, there is there is cause for optimism uh, amongst transfers, but uh, the speed of which they've happened this summer, and, and I do appreciate that we're in the middle of the global pandemic, even if Ian Brown doesn't think so. Um, it's it's difficult, and you know I think Cam said the other week. I still think we should have raided. We should have raided Wigan. We got eight eight or nine days for, for the transfer committee to work their magic. Whether they can work that magic, we'll be left to see. You know whether they're able to work whatever magic they are is dependent. But you know I, I don't think wages are an issue when you're going to be getting rid of your your biggest earners, you know, by and Benza, Diakabi and Pritchard, they've, they're pretty much all gone now. So hopefully, touch wood, um, we, can, we can progress off the field as well as on. But as, as premature as he always is, Thomas Fairbank, they, they bring up midweek and, um, and <laughs> once again, off the field issues with Huddersfield Town and, and, and notably their communication. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but we're going to have to sound like a broken record because it, it, it's been quite evident for a while. And, you know, we've been pulling the strings on this and it's nice to see people listening to us and mimicking us and uh, taking it on board without referencing us. As somebody who works in the, the land of communication, I am absolutely apoplectic at times with, with how the club has treated the fans. We've mentioned it before about Q&As and everything on board. Gaz mentioned it last year, week, last year, last week, when he said that, um, you know, we should be doing Q&As and these things. So the ATT Altogether Town panel met this week and, and HSA, you know, Ian, you put, put it on Twitter and they've kindly put that, they don't they normally do this, they kindly put the minutes up from the meeting where the communications uh, come through and, uh, as, a, as a talking point. And, and I'm, I'm not sure the club has quite grasped the situation and the issues around it because Mark Devlin's gone on Twitter, um, perhaps ill-conceived, um, and and said he thought that that some information was provided to the fans in this ATT meeting. Although the HTSA provided the minutes, which they don't normally do, there's, there's nowhere else for us fans to see this this information about communication. And, and I think 
we're getting to a, a point where there's just a breakdown in trust with the club. That they've still not quite grasped what we're on about. It's all right saying we do a preview show, but they're not speaking to people again, and it's not what any of us want. And you know, ATT's there to, to put these these issues to the club, but it's usually you know the issues used to be about pies and, and beer in, in grounds and. The pies are better than they used to be. The beers are a little bit better than they used to be, so perhaps it's done its job. But, you know, we're still waiting for uh, the, the much-promised uh, Canal Side video, which is now only going to come once it's been completed. We're still waiting to hear from the club regarding many other situations, many other questions we have. We could do so much more. They could do such, so much more. And I'm not sure they actually are listening to us because... You know, if you take football as a business like Mark Devlin does, we are the stakeholder. And when stakeholders say they're an issue, you probably need to deal with that issue rather than put your fingers in your ears going, we've got a preview show, watch it. What do you think? The club is being called out all over for this. And I think the ATT meeting was a response to them being called out, not just by us, not just by people on Twitter. And um, they, they... have pushed this ATT meeting as you said Greg that was designed as we were told as something a little bit different as being actually answerable to to the fans but the thing that I don't understand is why is it all done cloak and dagger like no why why is it not recorded why is it not live streamed on YouTube for us all to see who who are on who is on the ATT and why are they on it this is a selection of fans I believe chosen by the club who applied for the role it's not elected by fans. It's chosen by the clubs. It's quite a, a, a strongly, um, not necessarily censored, but controlled source of, of communication and a feedback to us through people that they want to be in that meeting. I find it crazy that it's still like that four or five years after they set it up. I think Cowshed Loyal have one, one um, person attend that meeting. So that is a good, that is a good step. But to say in, 2000, in 2020 now, um, podcasts are so much of a like, finger on the pulse for football clubs across the country to not even have somebody on there not necessarily from us but from 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 the other podcast that from takes that chance like they, they get so many people watching every week and listening every week they've been around for a couple of years they've had interviews with people how are even they not in this meeting to ask questions it, it just seems crazy to me that people want communication what's thrown at us is something that they decide what we want yeah, it's not even recorded. It, it literally has to come through the HTSA's minutes because Bar Devlin said that he answered the questions. What questions did they answer? That, that just typifies what's gone on over the last 18 months with the club. And okay, the football on the pitch is fantastic at the moment or a little bit better this weekend anyway. Behind the scenes, it's not changing. It's changing far too slow when it really should be the easiest thing to solve, surely. I think for me, it's... Um, I, mean, I mean, Greg, you wouldn't have... Um trains running late for two weeks and then release a statement after the two weeks would you no trust me trust me there'll be people will be apoplectic and i had to deal with that in bloody december <laughs> see it, it was almost like they put that out because phil had said a few things on it that were like okay things might not be great we're going to go backwards i mean for a start we can't go backwards because we finished three points above relegation last season so if we go backwards we really are screwed but it just struck me as the club don't quite, like you've said, grasp what everyone has now started to say. And I think, Ian, you've referenced him a couple of times, the guys on Take That Chance. Matt on there put forward a really good idea the other day um, that I think a few of us might have already mentioned doing a and a He thought about it and put a decent format forward to kind of suggest he would get people from across the board, ask genuine questions, because I've criticised him. 
I've been open and honest on air and said, look, when they've had Phil on, when they've had other people on, it's just kind of been a let them say what they want and not not really gone in with any of the tough questions. But if we can get something together where we can have some kind of Q&A, whether it's on Zoom, like we're doing now, whatever format, it, it just needs people on where it's not censored and people can ask a genuine question. It shouldn't be sent to the club first because then they can start to script answers. It needs to be genuine questions. And then I, I suppose a bit like the um, coronavirus briefings, journalists were allowed to follow up to their questions. It's easy to shut down one question and not really answer it. I'm sure the club will be very good at answering stuff like politicians do where it's not really an answer at all. But if we can get something together across all the different mediums, whether it's the supporters association, things like that, cowshed loyal, it needs to happen because the club needs to try and reconnect. And I think you said it last week, but it feels like the club just don't really think there's an issue when actually if everyone's starting to say it and everyone's singing from the hymn, same hymn sheet, there really, really is an issue because we know as well as anyone, town fans often have very, very different opinions. But on communication and the way that things are being done, it just seems universal now. And the club needs to step up and do something about it. I completely concur in the fact that it's linked to this, the link to the community, you know, like we look back and on the years when David Wagner was here and not to get urbanly nostalgic, but we had the, we had the greatest connection between fans and clubs that we've had at this, this team before. And the best that I certainly knew it was like one entity. Um, there was that real spirit that we had and we've lost that. We have lost that. And then that, I guess in the sense that was slightly inevitable, Wagner left everything. We lost his league position and whatnot. Um, but I think there really is a space for a Q and a a bit more openness and everything like that. Just a link really. And I think, yeah, there's, there's a way to make a point, you know, and, there's, there's, and everyone here loves, would love to just be completely 100% positive about the club. But we've got to say it, you've got to say it as it is. And I think we've reflected the things that the club have done well. I think we've been constructive on the things that we think have gone not so well. But we need, you need that opportunity, I think, to, to parlay between the two of you. And I think a Q&A would certainly work well. I'd like it to be a regular thing, really, as well, because the, the crucial thing is, okay, you've got to make a point. In, in the right way you know it's not the place for vitriol you see plenty of that on twitter after a game um if you've got a complaint or a grievance that you need to i think you need to voice it in the right manner and i think that's what podcasts are more about you have to think about what you say that's on record you know um and so i'd like that that, that trust to be there between the club and various entities exactly i think i think it could only be a force for good because then there's just so much more transparency and of course there's not going to be we're not going to agree on everything but it just it expands the understanding a little bit more, means there's a bit more transparency. I think it just builds that trust back up again because we might be misunderstanding certain aspects of it, you know? Like we've said, the club may be mis- misunderstanding certain aspects of the fan base. But that's not going to... The balance isn't going to redress itself until we have an open conversation. This is a good chance now to, 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 to change this, this dynamic we've had where we've been getting away from that whole community club thing. Because I think, I think the club would do well to go back to that, being that Yorkshire club and everything, having families on site having people involved especially now where we're not in the ground i think there's a calling for that more than ever and i think it would be mutually beneficial as well i do i think if everyone is held to account and if everyone is open about what's going on we can get back in the direction that we started to lose since we came out of the premier league you know people might say i'm down at the amount that we are the negative podcast which um you're perfectly entitled to your opinion and i'm perfectly entitled to tell you that i'm being constructive 
the reason we're doing this is because we're all town fans and we know it's not it's, it's something not right and i think when you have that great community engagement and when you have such a successful season that we're having our first year premier league and, and getting promoted to it it gets a bit easy with communications because the little things in life don't particularly bother you anymore and you can you know it bothers me it still pisses me off that the academy was shut down and i still think that's one of the, the greatest travesties this club will ever see especially now you see people like ben jackson matty daly a bit part of the first team squad lewis o'brien brian schofield you know great decision dean but it's it, there's, there's more to it than that this i think gone are the days that um, only those who were properly keen get involved you know you turn up to committee meetings and, and that you, you see it at local sports clubs you've got a committee you know if you want to voice your concerns you go to a committee meeting i think in a covid world and it is possible i said this last week i've done it with a work i've done it with a group i was involved in where you know they could control the q a not put by the way not put your questions before but you had to bid to, to get your question answered and, and they answered it and there's no no chance for Q and A's anymore. I can't, you know. Gaz said it. He went down to Fulham last season, and they had one. That's the only one we've really had. You need an open and honest communication, and the town fans expect it these days, because we we had it really great with Dean Oil at the start, especially the first few years, where we could go down to the canal side. I mean, I went down with Thurby a couple of years ago. You get chips and gravy for your dinner. You listen to Dean Oil answer questions. Some people would ask difficult questions, but it was never malicious. It was always constructive. There's too many people who are town fans who are drilled either to be negative and positive. The beauty of football is that you can celebrate the great times and you endure the bad times. But when you're going through both times, you should always have somebody asking that, the tough questions. And I'm not sure anybody does that anymore to a great extent. You have powder puff interviews with Phil Hodgkinson and Dean Oyle on other mediums. You have a local newspaper who was once the pride of this town, you know, despite despite effective changes in it, is now a laughing stock within the town. Do they ask the proper questions? To you know, sorry, Cam, your dad doesn't cover town, so it's all right. But the the BBC Radio Leeds, do they ask the, the difficult questions? I, I, I think Oggy does sometimes, so I, I'm not going to criticise think Oggy's very good at what he does, but there just seems to be a, a lack of... Because we had it good for them a couple of years, because everything was great, I think the little things that have fallen behind around engagement just slipped. Because when it goes well, you can you can serve people up. Uh, now when you have a, I'll quickly say, if you've got a Michelin star restaurant, you're going to have a lot of people going to you, even if you, you, your standards slip. It's when you lose that Michelin star and then people recognise actually this food's a little bit, you know, ping ding, whatever spoon's food, they're not quite happy with it. And we're being served up ping ding food at the minute. And, I, I you know, we, we're not even asking for Gordon Ramsay to be a chef. We're asking for, for a nice pub lunch. That's all we really want as town fans. We want a bit of honesty. We're in a bit of, um, bit of transparency people at the club are, are have got precious about it and you need to take the constructive criticism because we're not criticising for being crap you know Dave Sykes has done an amazing job he's been at town for more than 10 years you know I suspect it's, it's higher up where they say no we don't need to do that don't want you to do that and I think it's those higher up they need to realise that we are the fans our stakeholders in the club we're not seen 
we're not getting much value for our money this season because we can't go to games uh, at the minute. Probably won't be able to go to games in a reduced capacity until 2021. We want we want a bit more engagement. We can't just sit on our computers watching iFollow. We can't just sit at home watching Sky Sports on the Now TV Pass. We want to be feel part of the club, and this is the time and opportunity to do that. I I, I agree. I think. I think, and one thing we, we, we haven't mentioned, but I think could be quite point, uh, could be quite pertinent is that it's because we're not used to it as well. I think historically, certainly, maybe this is because I'm a younger fan and I've been, okay, since I've been coming, what, 2003, 2004, I've always felt that we were quite linked into the club. I thought the club have been, as far as it goes, very good at connecting with the fans. Um, we were sort of a small knit team and everything, and uh, I, I, it felt like there was a good connect. And so maybe it's just the first time since I've really been around that we've started to lose that. And so no, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's um, a case of the people who've been in the club for a long time, because you know, and like like you said, people like like David do a great job. Like they've they've been here a while and they've been through some really great times and great times for communication. I think that perhaps you know we've had an influx of new people, and I wonder, not to pick out individuals but I wonder if it's just I hope it's a betting in process and just getting used to the fact that this club is historically quite well connected to its fan base I'd like us to get back to that because I think it was good when we did that and it could and it doesn't matter if we're in league one we were in the championship when we had bad seasons we had good seasons there'd always be a few dissenting voices but uh, yeah I'd, I really missed that now and I don't think I actually realized how good we had it being the family club the Yorkshire club all this until now where there's just it's scaring a little bit they're getting a little bit toxic now, and I think social media doesn't help with that. Um, but that's the way it's going, and I'd, I'd like us, you know, to put a stop to that before it, it goes too far that way. You know, what? it's amazing what can be achieved when your pulls one. And you're right; I think social media is toxic because it allows people, you know, it allows your village idiots and the people who get ridiculed down the pub for saying stuff to have a voice, and then they find other people who have their own voice, and you see it with conspiracy theorists and whatnot. And then they group they group together, and, and that voice gets louder and louder. But you know, when we pull together as one, and this is the thing: is we don't want to be slagging the club off. We we, we want to all live in harmony. We we, we recognise the difficult situation we're going through during a global pandemic. But you know, things you got you got to do things differently. You got to try things. They might not work. They might work. You never know. Just try something. You know, try engaging with us a little bit more. You know, I think there's there's a lot of people who will willingly have an olive branch and will willingly get together to ask constructive questions, and we just want to know answers. And you know, it's not going to be powder puff. There will be challenge challenges in there, and there should be follow ups, as as Furby says. You know, I, I just view it as an amazing opportunity. If if they see it as an opportunity rather than seeing it as a negative, then then things can change. And I mean, I'm just going to take that first season at Premier League. You know, the behind-the-scenes stuff that they did for, you know, was it the Austrian or Swedish or whatever adventure and all the stuff that they put out there. The fans felt part of the club. The fans felt like, oh, God, who's this new bloke jumping into a, a lake in the middle of nowhere, that kind of thing. There was there was intrigue. There was, there was a true coming together. And, you know, I've not really seen the fans so united um, on something like this for a very long time, like all at the club and us versus them mob rule. But, you know, I just think there's an amazing opportunity there if, if, if they, they grasp it and we're more than happy to be part of it. And I think a lot of people would be. And we all want the best for the club. That's, that's what we, we, we you know. We, we don't want to see the club in in a position where it has to go backwards. We, we want to see 
the club but it, it is thriving both economically and within the community and with results on the pitch that's what everyone wants there's going to be ups there's going to be downs that's football but there's, there's going to be some recognition that, that people are becoming more and more disengaged and the more disengaged you get the less likely they are going to put their money into the club which ultimately is the biggest thing because you know uh, I haven't renewed my season ticket. I haven't renewed it because I know I'm not going to go to a game. Even if I'm the option to, I won't go. If people like me start be- becoming disenfranchised with the club, we're probably not going to go back. And you know, in our first very first podcast, Adam Roberts said it about his son becoming disenfranchised with the club because he's not going to football. And when you start losing fans, they don't come back for a while. I think that's the biggest thing of where it's going to go as well. And um, I had to read through the ATT panel notes and. There's some good nuggets in there that the club could have celebrated and could have like really made the fans feel good about it. So like we've sold eleven thousand season cards. That's incredible. Like a lot of those will have will have probably thought they've got no chance that they're gonna to go to a game. And fair play to them, they've stumped up two hundred and fifty quid. I certainly didn't expect it to be anywhere near that. But like show a bit of like show a bit of appreciation for the fans. Don't just put it in like a notes on the HTSA website like where they said they thank the fans it's where we miss Sean Jarvis mate it is you know, and it people is. would and have laughed we... at Sean Jarvis saying oh yeah we've sold this many tickets in Oldham postcode and I, I did at the time but you know what he was great brilliant engagement like you're right you know there's so many things that could be celebrated 11,000 season tickets I, I didn't think we'd get 5,000 you know you know what town fans are like you know, we, we remember 10, uh, 12, 13 years ago, you know, when you could get five, 6,000 to a game when we were bloody sat there freezing our tits off on a Tuesday night uh, under Andy Ritchie. You know, you go up to Hartlepool with like 200 people and they're the days we love, which quite sycophantic, really. But, <laughs> you know, sing the praises. Sing the fact that we've got an amazing loyal fan base. Sing the fact that, you know, all right, we scaled down... Um, the facilities, but tell us why we scaled them down. You know, let us know what what what's actually brand new about these facilities. What investment has been made to be criticised for your communication, and then put program notes out from a couple of weeks previously as a way of going. Oh yeah, see, look, we did some communication, but you didn't buy a program. You didn't buy the program for the game. I mean, when was the last time any one of us bought a program? Like. Cam, you get it free when you go in the press box. I, I know, because I get given it. That's when you read the programme notes. The last time I pro- bought, pro- bought a programme was when I went with Furby to bloody hold them away, and I got the face in the crowd and a free football. And I only got it because somebody went, oh, you're the face in the crowd. So I went to the went to the town shop, bought the programme, and then went, oh, yeah, by the way, I've won a free football. So, you know, I think, you know, just understand what mediums you're connecting on. Don't put... If, if you... If, if the chairman or the owner is putting really important information in the programme notes, make them available on the day, you know, because, you know, I think a lot of people would have felt a little bit more uh, engaged than they actually are. You tell I do this for a living because I have so much to say on it, but I think we're at a turning point and, and I just hope, and I'm really, really grateful to HGSA. They must be thankful for actually putting their minutes up because I think a lot of people who were disenfranchised um, saw what's going on and, you know, they are doing a good job on that front and they are sharing our concerns and they should be thanked. So thank you to them. I think one thing that's worth mentioning as well that's in those notes is that um, 
clubs are in negotiations with Sky Sports to try and get away games for season ticket holders. Like, why has why that not been mentioned? That's one of the things that I sort of said, right, if we could get an iFollow pass for 150 quid for the home games and stuff, I'd consider it. I'm not going to pay 250 quid when I know that I'm not going to be going into the stadium. But if it's all away games as well, why not let people know that those negotiations are ongoing? The, um, I think it was the Bradford Communications guy was on Radio Leeds the other day, and he came across really well. It almost reminded me of us a few years ago, and he was sort of saying, yeah, we suspended season ticket holder sales because we didn't want to charge people if they weren't going to be coming to the games. And then they eventually um, put them back on sale because their season tickets are under 50 quid anyway. And they saw when they knew what the terms of iFollow would be, it would be a £10 a game. They sort of said, right, well, 150 quid, you get an iFollow pass and it's still cheaper than paying for 23 home games. And they, I don't know if they get midweek games on TV uh, through Sky Sports or whatever in League Two, but it still works out cheaper for a Bradford fan to buy a season ticket than have to pay for each game individually. Whereas for us, it'd end up costing us more apart from the seven games because we're in the championship. But the club shouldn't be just relying on other clubs to help negotiate that. It should be, right, what can we do for those 11,000 fans that have renewed as well? Like, send them something, give them something. They've given them a prize freeze. But again, that just angers people on the other side more because it's like, well, I'm not going to be able to go to a game, but then you're going like, to kick me in the face with a price rise over the next three years. And it's obvious that's coming because they've said they're freezing it for everyone else. So it's like, there just needs to be more. I don't want to keep repeating ourselves, but it's just, yeah, there needs to be more on it. I don't like being negative after a win. The craziest thing with that, Ferbs, right, is I pay £140 for every game home and away in the league. That's what overseas fans get. So you guys are paying far more than me, getting less than me. And... um, nothing's really been done about it just yet. It seems, yeah. for me, that's and crazy. That I pay less. I pay less. I pay less than you guys do and I get away games for nothing on top of the uh, the home games, so 140 quid. And you get to watch it in better weather as well. Just have to deal with snakes. Yeah, and sunstroke if you look at me right now, but no one else can see that. So, uh, <laughs> there we go. I, I, I'm going to swing back round to positives because I, I, I do think this is taking it down. But I think it needs to be said and if we have to be the ones that lead on it, then I'm, I'm more than happy to be that miserable git that leads on it because it, it matters to me, it matters to us, it matters to the fans. And going back to the game on, on Friday night, we saw Carlos Corberan's formation, his mentality and, and, and chances galore. We have now got Rotherham coming up. They've, they've had an interesting return to the Championship. These are, these are our bread and butter. I don't want to say teams like Rotherham because I think it's very disingenuous towards them. If we are going to be a solid championship club, these are the games where we need to start picking up results. Pretty much same team, unless there's any additions. But, um, you know, score predictions. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 town, I believe. Gentlemen, what do you think? I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say, um, okay, we're away from home against the, you know, a team I'd expect to be around us. I am also going to follow suit and I'm going to say that we're going to sneak it 1-0. Uh, I'm not bold to say where the goal is going to come from, but no, I think I hope we're going to ride this wave out now. So yeah, one nil to town. This is really, really unlike me, but I think we're going to beat him two nil. 
I don't think I've ever, ever predicted that we're going to win. So I apologise to every single town fan out there now when we inevitably lose three or four. We've got to win it. The town social and three people are predicting town to win a game. This is unheard of. One win, right, against a horrendous forest and we're losing ourselves. What is going on? Rotherham will, will sit really deep, right? Because last year... The way to beat town was to sit deep, absorb the pressure, and score on the counter. And now we have fullbacks that overcommit and crack on fast. And Rotherham, they're going to come, they're going to sit deep, and they're going to they're going to try and counter against our fullbacks pushing too far on. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a really tough game. It's going to be similar to Wigan, I think, last year. We thought it was going to be an easy little win, and we got battered, not necessarily by by score, but by performance. I think Rotherham are going to be better than we expect them to be. A win against Forest when a few things went our way, again, I think the system works. It's fantastic, but we don't have the squad yet to play to it every week. If we concede first, we don't have changes. We've got nothing on the bench to be able to come and make it work if, if the first option isn't working. And it's going to be a tough, a tough, tough game. And I think, honestly, I think we'll get beat. I think, I think we're going to get beat 2-0. I think it's going to be uh, taking us back down to earth a little bit because... Um, we are predictable in the way we, we play. And um, Rotherham are going to challenge us to, to break them down with creative play. And I'm not sure we have that just yet. We just have overlapping fullbacks and cross it back. And with our record of strikers being injured, we've got to make sure Campbell's fit enough to start. Good thing we're not playing Saturday, Tuesday then, just for another few weeks anyway. Rotherham, to be fair, have had a decent start. They beat Wickham 1-0, Drew with Birmingham. And they've lost the game as well. So they've... Only, only uh, by one goal they win and defeat so it might be yeah, probably more Cam's 1-0 but I want to be bold I want to be positive I want to see three new players in and I'm basing that on a great transfer activity this week I'm expecting hashtag Terry Rimbound on a daily basis if I don't get it I'm going to sulk next week let's be positive Ian let's be positive I know it's late nine you've just lost the game of football 3-0 or whatever it was but, you know, we need to change our tune because, you know, Dave on down at the mat, we need to get him on side. Anyway, right, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. And thank you so much for your time, Cameron Pope, Thomas Fairbank, Ian Kilroy. I've been Greg Mara. We will be back next week, hopefully with a, a good result under our, uh, under our wings or positivity. Hopefully the Carlisle Grant situation will be sorted out. Two or three incomings will be perfect. And to top it off, Q&A. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Visionary. Anyway, thank you so much. Goodbye.